Thank you for joining us again as we look at the message given to the prophet Habakkuk. I'd like us to go on further into this book today. So please find it in your Bibles and we'll make a start. I'd like us to take a look at chapter two and learn together Habakkuk's secret to living a life of faith when reality bites. Now, at the beginning of these studies, I asked you a question. Uh, but I'd like to just change that question slightly as we go forward in, in the book. And that is when re reality bites, what should we do? When reality bites, what should we do? So just as a, uh, a starter, let's just recap a little bit of what we've learned so far. First question was, who was Habakkuk? And uh, we said, didn't we, that the book was written by and it was named after Habakkuk, the prophet. It says this in verse one, that he was a prophet. He wrote it around 380 years before the birth of Jesus, before the exile of Judah by the Babylonians or the Chaldeans, as uh, it says in the in the book. He was definitely a man for his time. He had a message for his time and he had a calling for his time. And we found that that's a quite important part of who Habakkuk is. His name in Hebrew means to embrace. And we saw, didn't we, that he was a man whose name is in his calling and who sees everything around him, embraces God's plan and purposes for himself and for his people. He was a man who took things head on and he wanted the answers from God. He, he wasn't afraid to ask God awkward questions, the awkward questions of life, and wanted to know what God would do about it. He asked the questions which we hear every day, don't we? Why doesn't God do anything about the situation that I'm in? If God is out there, why doesn't he help us? Why do wicked and dishonest people prosper and get away with everything? You know, Habakkuk looked around and he asked these questions because he saw reality bite. He lived in the real world, which was not a pretty place to be in. He wanted God to do something to rectify the mess that he saw around him. Well, I don't think that Habakkuk was expecting the answer that God gave him. It was pretty extreme and severe. Judah was, was going to be taken into captivity by the Babylonians. The Israelite national identity would be lost. The temple in Jerusalem would be destroyed. It would be devastating. God would bring the nation to a catastrophic judgment. And this all happened within 20 to 30 years of Habakkuk's message. So this is where we got to in our journey through the book. And some of the things that we've learned are really important. The things that we've learned in this first chapter. We've seen that God is not phased by our questions. He's not offended when we approach him in with the right motives. Because God doesn't look on the surface, but he looks at the heart. You know, this was exemplified in Jesus our salvation and God with us, Emmanuel with us, God with us 
and he dealt with humanity and their questions in the same way. We also saw a difficult truth that God does not always give us the answer that we want or expect. Sometimes when we pray, our prayers seem to go nowhere. But the truth is that God always answers in his own way. He's always there. He always hears us and always acts in some way, even if it is to allow us to go through trials and difficulties. This is because God is doing a work in us and our lives. He's refining us so that what is already precious, you and I, will become priceless in his sight. Jude, in his letter, puts it this way. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. This is a culmination of Jude's letter and uh, he really em emphasises this point. And I think it's just wonderful that God wants to present us, wants us to be presented by Jesus without fault and with great joy. Every day you bless God, you bring him joy. As you spend time in his word, speaking to him in prayer, worshipping his name, praising him in every situation, you bring joy to his heart. See, God does indeed bless and keep us in all things. But don't be deceived by those who want you want to tell you that if you come to Jesus, everything will be great all the time. You'll live in constant blessing. You'll get everything that you desire because you're a child of God. Jesus actually said the opposite would often be the case. So we need to live in that reality. This is what creates this position of being without fault and great joy. Jesus said that we should take up our cross and walk with him on a daily basis. However, he reminds us in Matthew 11 that we should also take on his yoke and learn from him as he's gentle and humble in heart, which actually makes his yoke easy and his burden light. This is very much the secret of walking with Jesus. Walk in his strength. Walk in his strength and be subject to his leading. We've seen already, haven't we? We've, we've touched on the, on the point that he will always make a way to overcome. As his final intention, as Jude said, is to present you and me to the Father. What a wonderful reality that we can live in. So that being said, let's move forward and uh, let's get back to the book that we're studying together. And I want to take a look at what Habakkuk did next. And I believe that we can learn a lot from his response and his actions. So let me just read the first few verses from Habakkuk chapter 2. Uh, Habakkuk chapter 2 verses 1 to 5. 
I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Moreover, wine is a traitor, an arrogant man who is never at rest. His greed is as wide as shoal. His death he has never enough. He gathers for himself all nations and collects all his own, all peoples. Now we can learn some really important truths from these first few verses. And I want us to spend a little bit of time doing that today. Let's look at verse one. You know, when things got tough, when his back was against the wall, Habakkuk, in the middle of all the mess that he saw around him, became a watchman for God's purposes. He was determined to hear God's voice, to be ready to respond. And to do so, he would need to be totally committed to fix his mind on God's things of eternal value, to be open to the hearing of the Holy Spirit, to the Holy Spirit's voice, just like Elijah at the mountain. Remember we talked about Elijah at the mountain and we read about this, didn't we, in the previous study. Now I was thinking a little bit about our earlier reference to Elijah. And I asked myself a question. What if Elijah hadn't listened to God and obeyed God's voice? A little later in the chapter, in 1 Kings 19, we read about the call of Elisha, the disciple of Elijah, who had a double portion of the Spirit of God. He had a double portion of the Spirit that Elijah was carrying and did even greater miracles and prophetic declarations than Elijah. You know, we need to hear and act when God speaks. It could make all the difference. It certainly made all the difference as far as Elisha was concerned. If Elijah had just run, if Elijah hadn't taken any notice of the calling that God had on his life, perhaps Elisha would never have been the man of God that the Bible tells us that he was. And you know, this is Habakkuk's example to us. Now, this concept of being a watchman to hear God's purposes on behalf of others are mentioned in other parts of the Bible as well. And in particular, in Ezekiel chapter 33 and Isaiah's, Isaiah chapters 58 and 62. And they all relate to being a watchman for Israel. That was their calling. So the question is, what was a watchman understood to be at that time and uh, it will help if we consider this for a moment because it will put Habakkuk into context and help us to understand 
You see, the prophetic ministry of the watchman was essentially twofold. As with Habakkuk, it was firstly someone who would recognise unrighteousness. He would seek God's face and declare both God's solution and, if necessary, God's warnings to the people. And that was always to return to God. We see when we read Isaiah 58, verse 1, Cry aloud, do not hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their transgressions, to the house of Jacob their sins. You see, the prophets, their function was consistently to call the people back, to call a sinful people back to God. The people of that day were no different to us today. People today still try to be good and think that's enough. However, people still get dragged into all aspects of every day, day in, day out life, which can really be a stranglehold on any spiritual awareness. And it can create blindness to the spiritual life that God wants to give. And he remains like this until the sin issue is dealt with and we come to God. He is the only one worthy to deal with the sin in our lives. Jesus paid the price on the cross to restore us back to God the Father. The Hebrew words for watchman described in Isaiah 62 and Ezekiel 33 denotes someone who is protectively looking out for the people, someone who is constantly keeping guard and ready for the attack by the enemy. You see, both Isaiah and Ezekiel were called to be watchmen and they give us an ideal to follow in our day. I believe that we need to be watchmen on the spiritual walls that surround Sedgley, our town, and surround our church. We need to be those who intercede and hear God's voice. We need to be those that are constantly looking out for our church and for others. We need to be those who God will use to remind us all through the gifts of the Spirit in our church of God's leading in our lives and his purpose for our lives. We need to be those who are constantly reminding, reminding ourselves first of all, but also reminding others the importance of staying close to God and listening to his voice. We also need to be those who can raise the alarm when necessary, who will not fall asleep, but be on the lookout for every attack of the enemy. Now, when we act as a watchman, we take on a great responsibility. The person who was looking over those walls, it was down to them. And we really need a total reliance on the Holy Spirit to guide us. I can't stress that enough. We can't do these things in our own strength. We can't say we've, we're reliable, we, we can do everything, because the reality is we can do nothing without the strength that the Lord gives us through the power of his Holy Spirit. And when the tough times come, 
it's easy to shrink back. It's easy to go back into our shells, to be insular, to back away from what God wants us to do. But God wants us to be awake. He wants us to be watchmen, seeing through what God has purposed for us as individuals and as a church. Now in verse 2, we see that Habakkuk was ready to listen and he was willing to accept the difficult fact that God's way was a better way. He's told to write it down. It was a done deal as far as God was concerned. Judgment was coming. The people had rebelled against God so many times. Judgment was coming. And Habakkuk realised that when God says something, he means it. With God, there are no half-hearted promises. What he says, he will do. You know, though we may wait for God, and sometimes we do wait for him, he always fulfills his word. It may sometimes be a word of discipline as a follower of Jesus. Or alternatively, it may be a word of blessing. You know, I thank God that he's fulfilling his word over our church. God is starting to move in a new way. As we are opening our doors again, uh, following, or as we come out of this pandemic, and, and following being closed for such a long period of time, God is moving in a new way. We can feel it when we're there. And although we may be waiting for that personal breakthrough, we may be waiting for a breakthrough as a church, the fullness of God's blessing upon us as a church and individuals will come. Let me encourage you. If God has promised something of your life, he will accomplish it. Let me read a couple of verses to just illustrate this point. The psalmist in Psalm 13, verses 7 and 8, he says, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you will revive me. You will stretch forth your hand against the wrath of my enemies, and your right hand will save me. The Lord will accomplish what concerns me. Your loving kindness, O Lord, is everlasting. Do not forsake the words, the works of your hands. And Paul writes these wonderful words, doesn't he, in Philippians chapter 1, verses 3 to 6. I thank God in all my remembrance of you, always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all, in view of your participation in the gospel from the very first day until now. For I am confident of this very thing, that he who began a good work in you will perfect it, until the day of Christ Jesus. Paul was confident in his message and that God's purposes for the church and for the lives of the believers at Philippi would become a re reality. Remember, we talked about this previously, didn't we? That God does hear us and we can be confident when we approach the throne of God's grace and God's mercy. Now, we asked a question at the beginning, as I said, and we've changed that question slightly now. 
when reality bites, what should we do? And I do believe that these chapters, these the chapter two and as we go into chapter three, which is a very important chapter, which I want to spend some time in, but really want to look at chapter two for now. That these chapters help us to exactly understand what we should do. When things are happening around us, when reality is happening around us, the things that we should do in serving God. In verse 4, in chapter 2, we have a wonderful verse. And it is the secret of walking with God. It is the secret of walking with God. And it goes like this. Behold, as for the proud one, his soul is not right within him, but the righteous will live by his faith. Habakkuk is giving the contrast, isn't he? He's talking about the one who is proud, the one who is, whose soul isn't right, the one who has the bad attitude, who isn't a follower of God, who just does his own thing. But then he contrasts that with those that do follow God, and those that are uh, living their lives in a way that's pleasing to God. Because he says the righteous will live by his faith. And here we have the crux of Habakkuk's message. How do we live and walk with God? We are to live and walk by faith. Let me just say that again. This is the crux of Habakkuk's message. We are to live and to walk by faith. Now, this is a, a real fundamental truth that we need to dig into and understand. If we are to be those who walk with God. Pastor Steve has been speaking recently, hasn't he, uh, on the Sunday services about these great heroes of faith in, in Hebrews 11. And they all understood this truth to a greater or a lesser degree. And whatever their level of understanding, the truth is that God still used them for his purposes and his glory. It didn't matter how much they really understood it. They lived and walked in faith. And that is the most important thing. And it's such a fundamental truth that we need to get into our spirit. We need to understand. We need to get it into our minds. Because when the things that come our way, that we find difficult to understand, difficult situations to live through, we walk by faith. That is the most important thing. And Paul, he gained a unique understanding of this truth. He used it as the foundation for his teachings, his midrash, his biblical exposition of this verse. He, he took this verse to an even deeper meaning and understanding. How we are to walk before God. We are to walk by faith. And it's a wonderful truth. And it's something that uh, we'll unpack even more next time. 
And that's what I want to do. I want us to consider further the meaning of faith and the meaning of righteousness in a believer's life. And how once we understand the depth of this, how we can walk and live daily in the joy of the Lord. We can walk in a whole new way once we grasp and understand the depth of the faith, of walking in faith, walking in the righteousness that Christ gives us through the cross. So we'll look at that next time. As I've said before, you may not have heard any of this before. You, you may have just clicked onto this video and wondered, what's this guy on about? Uh, but I want to introduce you to Jesus. That is what our message is as a church, to introduce you to the one who came and died for you, rose again from the grave, is exalted in heaven, and is in heaven interceding and praying for you. You may never have heard this, but I'd like to introduce you to Jesus. So contact us. If you'd like to do that, contact us. We'll talk to you. We'll pray with you. And perhaps you were following the Lord once in the past. It's time to come back. It's time to give your life back to the Lord. And as we've been talking about these things, the Holy Spirit has been speaking into your heart, reminding you of the reality of the life that you had. But you thought it was lost, but Christ has his hand upon you. Jesus has his hand upon you and he's calling you home. So I look forward to next next time. Uh, but let's finish with a word of prayer and uh, then we'll we'll see what we can unpack next week, what we can look at next week, this wonderful subject of faith that Habakkuk introduces us to. So let's pray. Father God, I just thank you that you have such wonderful truths to reveal to us in your word, that your prophets still speak today. They still speak into our hearts. And Lord, I just pray that the things that we've learned today, the importance of being a watchman, the importance of coming to you, the importance of standing in your truth, the importance of living by faith. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we will just meditate upon these things and that you will be glorified in our lives throughout this week. Lord, I pray a blessing upon everybody who's watching this video. I pray that the Lord will bless us and keep us and make his face to shine upon us and be gracious to us, that he will lift up his countenance upon us and give us shalom, peace. Lord, I thank you for your goodness and mercy. In the name of Jesus. We ask it. Amen. So it's been great sharing this time with you again. Uh, we'll get into Habakkuk again next week and we'll look at this wonderful subject of the righteous living by faith. It's a fantastic subject and God's going to bless us as we explore it together.
So I'll see you next next time. God bless you. Amen. Oh,